Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. He ran the missed field goal back. He ran it back 109 yards. They're not going to keep him off the field tonight. Boise State for the win. They hand it off to Johnson. Boise State has won the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. Can you believe it? Welcome back to the Fifth Year Podcast. On this episode, we have our interview with Scott Ritchie, Illinois men's basketball and football reporter for News Gazette. You can follow him on Twitter at S-R-R-I-C-H-E-Y. We really enjoyed the interview. Thanks again, Scott, for coming on. Uh, We will be talking college football news and getting ready for the season. So on to the episode. Welcome, everyone. We're really excited to have our first ever guest on the fifth year podcast with week zero um, centered kind of around the Illinois Nebraska game in Champaign. We've got boots on the ground here with Scott Ritchie from the news Gazette in Champaign. Scott, we're excited to have you Uh, crazy that college football is here and it's starting off in Champaign. What's the, what's the vibe heading into heading into this game? Well, I think, you know, it's seen as a pretty important game, not only for Illinois, but for Nebraska as well. And you know, just that week zero platform means all eyes are going to be on the Illini and the Cornhuskers. And, you know, they both kind of need the game for different reasons. You know, for Illinois and Brett Bielma, it's just sort of their introduction, you know, to you know, the fan base, to college football, because, you know, obviously the, the coaching staff has been here for you know, about eight months, but they've operated – mostly behind closed doors and training camp. We, I mean, I have an idea of what I'm going to see and what the fans will see on Saturday, but uh, it's just an idea. They could come out with something totally unexpected. Um, So that that makes it a little interesting, of course, but, you know, and they, Elmo can set the tone maybe for Brent Bielma's first year with a a good game against Nebraska. Nebraska, on the other hand, obviously uh, lots going on in Lincoln, not all good either as they're, now the targets of an NCAA investigation um, yeah, to, on top of that, you know, they just haven't been as good as Nebraska fans want um, in the Scott Frost era. So you know, they probably can't start with a loss either. Um, so just, it'll be a, a fun way to start uh, the college football season and, you know, a noon kick here in Champaign and uh, it'll be the only game to watch for, you know, everybody in the country. Yep. One thing I thought was interesting that you said was, the access or the lack of knowledge, I guess, or not as much information as maybe you would have seen under Levy Smith. Was it, I think a lot of people don't realize coaching staff to coaching staff, how different the media's access can be. I know down in Norman, people talk about the big change from the Stoops to the Lincoln Riley era. Is that something that you've noticed uh, is, was, is one staff more, do you get, is it, are you getting like less than what you would have, with the Lovey Smith and the Lovey Smith era, or is it similar? Um, it's, it's kind of a little bit interesting because on one hand we are getting less, but 
uh, on the other, we're almost getting more. And just in terms of less is Illinois was a bit of an outlier over the last 20 years, really. And several coaching staffs of where training camp was open for the media, for the public, you could be there, you know, for two and a half hours, every five days a week, if you wanted to, and you know, that you got a chance to see everything. This year with Brett Bielma, I think just, you know, they have this, you know, maybe an advantage in the fact that Nebraska is not going, going to know what's coming. So they, they shut the doors to training camp. And, you know, we got to see 15-ish minutes every day of, you know, individual position drills. Um, I can only watch a, you know, a safety run backward so many times and be like, well, you know, <laughs> looks fluid through the hips. And I you guess run, that's, yeah. that's what I've seen for the day. Um, so I, I don't have maybe that type of knowledge but just in terms of you know Brett Bielma being available you know post-practice um, and then kind of in game week now under Lovey Smith we'd get you know the head coach and the coordinators and by the end of it you know, Lovey Smith was the defensive coordinator so we got Lovey Smith and Rod Smith the offensive coordinator now we get both coordinators we get Brett Bielma we get you know position coaches as well you know, on top of players so it's an interesting mix of more than we had, but also less than we had. And, you know, fingers crossed for next season where nothing's maybe a big surprise anymore. And we can see a little bit more training camp, but uh, yeah, just, uh, I have a, I think we have an idea of what's to come, like I said, but, you know, after Saturday, well, I'll, I'll know maybe a little more certainty with, with more certainty kind of what Illinois might be this year. That makes that much more exciting. What's done know what you're going to get. What's the expectation offensively, at least the their approach? Is it will it be winding back the clock a bit to the Bielema offenses at Arkansas and Wisconsin, where it's real ground and pound, um, or are they expected to open it up and um, not really go into that uh, single back type offense? I mean, I think just personnel has a lot to do with it and they, Illinois has you know a number of pretty talented and experienced you know, running backs you know Chase Brown was uh, an all big 10 type back last year Mike Epstein when he's healthy has been good they added a transfer and Chase Hayden gives them not another option Reggie loves kind of the young guy of that group but the coaching staff raves about him so they have four running backs I think that you know will kind of you know, compete throughout the season, even, you know, for maybe the carries and for that, that top spot. And then that's all behind an offensive line that has a six-year guy at center and Doug Kramer, two fifth-year tackles and Alex Halczewski, Vidarian Lowe. And then, you know, it's going to look a little different at the guards, but you know, they have a, a transfer from last year that sat out after an injury and Blake Giusotti at one guard. And then the other, you know, guard is, I'd like to say I know who that'd be, but I would have meant seeing, you know, training camp a little more, but you know, they have some, some older guys that can slide in there. So I think based on that, based on Brett Bielma's sort of history, you know, both at Wisconsin and some at Arkansas, based on Tony Peterson, the offensive coordinator, what he's done at different stops, because he's a bit of a chameleon, you know, I think, and he really tailors his offense to, you know, his players, but we kind of look at what he did at Minnesota in the early 2000s, had guys like Marion Barber, Lawrence Maroney, and they ran it a ton. And I think that'll be where the offense starts. But they do have Brandon Peters back, another six-year guy at quarterback you know, with experience at Michigan, and this was his third year at Illinois. And then 
you know, the, the question mark, I think, is in the wide receiver group that they've totally remade that position group. And lots of new faces switched Isaiah Williams from quarterback to receiver and have raved about him in that new spot. And they got some tight ends as well. But I think it'll be run first, maybe run off and, and then, you know, mix in some some passing just to keep defenses honest. It was the competition between Peters and what it was Matt Robinson, the other guy that was was he really in the competition or was it uh, did it kind of was it just informally an informal kind of competition where it was expected that Peters would get the job? Yeah, I mean it was Brandon Peters from because he was only spring, he, the injury spring ball to out right his all of his starts last year he started every game he was he was healthy right yeah over the last two years that he's played you know the only games he he's missed have been you know in 2019 it was a concussion he missed two games. Um, and then 2020, uh, COVID-related, you know, missed three. Uh, otherwise, he's been the starter. And, you know, with, you know, flipping Isaiah Williams to wide receiver, that took a quarterback out of the room. But then they did bring in Art Sikowski from Rutgers as a transfer. Uh, in theory, I suppose, to compete for that spot. But, I mean, it was always going to be Brandon's. And then I think Art, you know, he fits the mold of what this coaching staff wants in a quarterback. It's a bigger guy, maybe, you know, big arm stays in the pocket a little bit with a little wiggle. Yeah. Just to, to add to that. But yeah, I think next year it'll be art, but you know, they've got a, a freshman coming in next year that they're, that it's their quarterback, you know, Donovan Leary out of New Jersey. So imagine he'll probably get a look, but you know, that's still a year away. And you know, the job's Brandon's unless kind of like the last couple of years, you know, he can't be on the field. Right. Right. And then, Moving over to the defensive side of the ball, it, they've got a pretty experienced group coming back, right? Yeah, I mean, and that's sort of the case, you know, with the roster as a whole. There's 21 super seniors that opted to take advantage of that bonus year of eligibility. And then um, at least, let's see, 18, 19 more just regular seniors. So you know, tons of you know, experience. You know, obviously those guys have – their careers have been hit or miss. You know, they had the bowl season in 2019, but otherwise it's kind of been a struggle. But you know, Jake Hansen uh, and one of those inside linebacker spots was a, a really important get for this coaching staff. He was kind of ready to move on and, you know, declared for the draft, changed his mind, wound up, you know, getting a waiver so he could come back and play and kind of a huge pickup for Brett Bielma. And then, you know, on the edge, you know, Owen Carney, Isaiah Gay, two fifth-year guys, you know, that, that give them some experience. And you know, Tony Adams at cornerback is another you know, veteran, but you know, that's probably the biggest question mark of the defense is the secondary, just depth there, and then depth uh, on the defensive line as well. But linebacker looks pretty good. Um, so we'll just kind of – we'll see if they can carry, carry the day. Yeah, so diving more into the game specifically here, that defense had a big game in that win over Nebraska last year, forcing five turnovers, I think. So, to me, I think it's interesting that Nebraska comes in here as a seven-point favorite, considering I don't – sure, they bring guys back too, but it's not like they were – I think it's a similar situation to Illinois where they're returning a lot of guys, but there's still question marks there. So, is there a – do you see a big gap between these programs like that we're seeing with that seven-point gap in Vegas? Probably not. That big, and I mean, I'm not surprised that Nebraska is a seven point favorite because there's just a a stigma about Illinois football, and just and one that they've earned. They just haven't been all that competitive for 
you know, better part of three decades. If you really look into the history, there's just, there's very few kind of up seasons. Um, I think the one difference kind of looking at Saturday's game compared to last year's in Lincoln, you mentioned the, all the turnovers Nebraska had and you know, Luke McCaffrey was responsible for a lot of them. He's no longer their quarterback. And, you know, I'm not sure honestly why Scott Frost didn't play Adrian Martinez last year, because he's made a career of just lighting up Illinois uh, given the opportunity. So he'll be under, well, not under center, but he'll be a quarterback um, for the Huskers on Saturday. And, and that'll be, that'll be the good first challenge for this Illinois defense that is going to look different than what Lovey Smith ran. Cause you know, we heard it, a lot from opposing coaches, players is like they knew for with 100% certainty what defense they were going to play against with Lovey Smith. And it was either cover two or, you know, one single high safety and another in the box. But multiple is kind of how, you know, this defensive staff at Illinois now has described what they're going to do. I think it's going to, they've showed a really vanilla, you know, just kind of base three, four in the spring game. Um, we'll see some of that. I wouldn't be surprised to see you know, them play a lot of, you know, maybe some four two five with a nickel in there as well. Um, but I think yeah, they have an adaptable defense that can, you know, adjust to the offenses that do a lot of different things in college football. And I'm not sure you know, Lovey Smith ever adjusted anything he did defensively. I think the results proved that out. So, um, I mean, it's a good first test. I mean, it's a Big Ten game. It's a divisional game. And I think there's probably more questions about Delmoy defense and if they can you know, slow down Adrian Martinez. I mean, I think that's going to be a, a good first sign. Yeah. It's uh it's a big game. Like you said, with Nebraska NCAA now investigating their program. It's a, it really is almost a must win game. It seems for Scott Frost with it being, you know, a game that they're expected to win or supposed to win. So that should be uh, it. Should be fun. A little bit off track from what's coming up this weekend, but still big news with the the alliance officially being announced today between the Big Ten, ACC, and Pac-12. What's uh, what's the vibe you're getting on this deal? It's sure it, it seems very relevant, but what is it? It doesn't seem like the, I saw nothing was signed. Is this something that's really gonna be something that's has a huge impact on the whole trip, or is it more of just a reaction to the SEC tr- trying to say you're not gonna outpower us here and make every move in college football? I mean, I think that's a, a big part of it. And you know, the SEC took the first swing, you know, plucking Texas and Oklahoma, and you know, they're gonna have the first, you know, 16 team super conference. And I don't yeah, at this point, you know, Big Ten, ACC, Pac-12, I think the idea of the alliance is they're not going to poach from each other if, if their conferences grow. Um, but, yeah, there's they have a gentleman's agreement. Um, that, that means what it means. But I know, like, in 2011, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 tried to put together sort of just this, this scheduling alliance at least, and that fell apart on the Pac-12 side uh, before it could even take effect. Um I suppose they're hoping that's not the case this time, but it, if they can hold it together, just in, and even if it's not some, you know, big deal, but just to have three votes against whatever the SEC tries to do with their one, you know, when it comes to expanding the college football playoff or any other changes that might come, 
to you know college football. I mean that I think that's why they did this you know, to make sure that their voice is heard and you know, it's not just the SEC dictating terms. But uh, there weren't a lot of concrete details, a lot of you know, general ideas of what they want this alliance to do. Um, so I mean, I don't know that we'll know the full impact of this three conference alliance, uh, even in maybe the next couple of years. And, but it's certainly interesting to think about. And like, as someone that covers a big 10 program, like I'd be interested in, you know, trips to Oregon or UCLA or USC or, you know, to the East coast or some, you know, some ACC matchup. So it's intriguing, but I'm not sure, like, we're going to really know what it means for a while. Right. Cause are they going to be, is it going to be a deal where you, could be one, two games, non-conference. They, they didn't really go into any detail on what the schedule – well, I guess they do – all these schools have, what, some games 10, 12, 15 years still on the contracts, and they're not going to be getting out of those, right? Yeah, they're going to – well, today they said they're going to, you know, maybe honor, you know, all of you know, those existing contractual obligations, um, you know, if we get – further down the road and they just decide you know, we're going to nuke those and go our own direction. We'll see. But just as Illinois football, as an example, I mean, they have, you know, a series, two series actually with Missouri. The first one doesn't start until 2026 runs through 2029. And then the second one goes 2032 to 2035. So I mean, we're talking that one won't end for a decade and a half, essentially. Um, so, and Missouri is maybe not one of those teams that the, the Alliance, quote unquote, would want to see one of you know, the, their 41 team schedule because it's an SEC program. Um, but football, I think, is going to be tricky that way, especially because, you know, Big Ten, Pac 12 both play nine conference games. ACC plays eight. If, who's going to change that? So maybe they're all on the same page. I think it'll be easier in basketball. Obviously, the Big Ten ACC challenge already exists. Um, they could. You just they could do one just as easily with the Pac-12. The ACC and Pac-12 could do something, and then I think you know they've also mentioned you know, Olympic sports. I think again that'll be easier. Those schedules aren't set decades in advance, so yeah, football's going to be a little tricky. It's going to take away a lot of the small schools versus Power Five oh. schools. It's oh, going to huh. be basically a full schedule of Power Five schools. Yeah, I mean any this anything that brings more good non-conference games is I fine agree. by me. I definitely <laughs> agree. I'm I'm all aboard yeah. that. Well, and the, the TV partners would agree with you. Um, I'm not sure the coaches will because you know, their livelihood is you know centered around winning football games. And if they can bake in a couple of you know probable wins every year with you know maybe you know lower conference schools, they've shown that they'll do that. So uh, it'd be interesting to kind of see we go what the coaches, how they feel about this, but you know, those decisions have been made so far over their heads. I'm not sure there's any coach in either of the three conferences that maybe has a you know, big enough sway to, to change things. I mean, none of them are Nick Saban. Right. Right. So outside of the big 10, how, what they've done with the Alliance, do you see them making any other moves, particularly like in the expansion? Well, I mean, I think it was pretty notable that, you know, the big 12 was left out in the cold or whatever's going to be left of it. Um, right. So, I mean, their, their move will kind of dictate, you know, I think what the other conferences you know, in the, in the Alliance do um, right now, the big 12 is saying, you know, we're all together. I don't believe it. Like individual schools are going to look out for their own good at this point. Um, so wouldn't be surprised to see 
Pac-12, maybe the Big Ten, you know, do their own poaching, you know, from the, the Big 12 pool. But you know, the Big 12 could, you know, do the same to the American and stay alive somehow. But, you know, there's some dominoes to fall maybe before we get, you know, as there have been persistent rumors like Kansas and Iowa State in the Big 12 or in the Big Ten. If any of the – if any – if those Big 12 schools has that opportunity, the Big 12 is dead because oh yeah, they're all going to jump if they've if anyone reaches out. But yeah, it's going to be uh, going to be interesting to see what happens there. But it's clearly they're right now taking the front of bringing stability. I think Jim Phillips, the ACC commissioner, said something along the lines of, you know, every every pass, every move in the past has been an expansion. We're you know bringing stability back to college football or something that's not a direct quote, but yeah. something along those lines. So I don't think any moves are, are imminent. No, but they're not off the table either. Um, and at the end of the day, I mean, even with an alliance, I think you know, all three conferences will again, probably do what they can to position themselves as best as possible. And maybe, and I think every, all three of the commissioners are hoping still within the framework of, you know, this deal that they have and, Maybe go, I mean, just pillage the Big 12 instead of each other. Right. Right. Yep. There's a reason they, they were not in those, in those conversations. So I guess kind of, sorry, I'm getting away from the mic. Kind of in, yes, in, up a little bit. in the conversation here, uh, kind of bouncing back into what we were talking about, just kind of wanted to know what your, I don't want to ruin if you make a prediction somewhere, but kind of your expectations for the game on, on Saturday with, with uh, Nebraska and Illinois, what, what are your expectations? I mean, going into it a, a little bit blind still, I mean, I, this is an Illinois team that's in a, a unique position with a new coaching staff. Usually when that happens, you know, it's okay. Well, we're hitting the rebuild button right away. I mean, that's not the case. You know, with Brett Bielma, his roster, save for, you know, a couple of players, uh, I mean, two guys that are in the NFL, Kendrick Green, Nate Hobbs. I mean, it's the same as Lovey Smith had last year. So it, it sets up a unique season in the fact that we'll kind of get to see whether or how much coaching and scheme can make a difference. And because that's what will be different. You know, the roster really isn't. And I think we'll find out if this season that sort of a redo really on the 2020 season, because that was the one Lovey Smith was building to after just blowing up the roster and playing 22 true freshmen in 2017. It was like, well, by the time 2020 hits, they'll all be seniors. They'll have four years of experience. We're going to, we're going to win. And they went two and six. So those guys get a redo and Brett Bielma gets a chance to win in year one. And I think that starting with a win against Nebraska is on the table. Um, Nebraska's not the Nebraska of the 1990s and early two thousands. I mean, Scott Frost, big 10 record. Isn't that much better than what Lovey Smith exited with. And his was terrible. Um, so I would not be surprised to see Illinois win on Saturday. And, you know, at some point, I'm going to have to because we all, you know, every year, I mean, I, I kind of predict the score and what's going to happen. I haven't gotten to that point just yet, but I'm leaning towards an Illinois win 
And I don't feel that that's unrealistic. Yeah, no, I, I'm making a prediction later in the show, but I, I think I expect, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it's a good game. I'm really excited about this season for Illinois. I think Brett Bielema back in the Big Ten is a good fit, and I, I'm excited to see what Illinois is able to do this year. So, Scott, we really, really appreciate you coming on, being our the first ever guest on our podcast. So Big time. Congratulations. <laughs> well, so I mean, yeah, that's, that's why I did it. I mean, I, I've got history now. Yeah, yeah you, no, you will go down in the record books of the first one. So we're excited to keep up with, with what's going on in Champaign this year. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, anytime you guys want to talk, uh, talk some football, I'm, I'm in. Awesome. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Scott, for coming on. We appreciate it. On to some college football news. A few more starting quarterbacks named, Parker. Yeah, as fall camp start closing closing down here, several starting quarterback positions have been filled. Down at Baylor, Gary Bohannon named starting quarterback, replacing Charlie Brewer, who's off to Utah. Uh, He beat beat out Jacob Jacob Zeno and Blake Shapin. He and Zeno both played in that 2019 Big 12 championship game against Oklahoma when Brewer went out with a concussion. Zeno had a big, he had a couple long touchdowns in that game um, after coming in for uh, uh, Bohannon. Bohannon struggled when he came in, didn't play as well, and then Zeno brought him back in the contention against OU, but Bohannon wins that job even after only throwing for seven yards last year, so only appeared in two games. At Ohio State, as expected, C.J. Stroud, named starting quarterback. They had several other real talented guys competing for that job. The uh, Quinn Ewers, who's obviously there a year early and known for leaving high school year early so he could get his NIL money at Ohio State. I think he's expect- expected to, to redshirt, so uh, that's the plan there. They'd probably rather not play him this year. Brewer coming from Baylor, wins the job at Utah, beats out Cam Rising, who was formerly at Texas. This was uh, Rising, I think, technically finished the season as the starter last year after uh, Bentley was also there, but and Bentley got injured. So Rising finished the season, but Brewer was a favorite to win the job and did. They should definitely be a contender in the Pac-12 South. That's the that are a couple of the, the major quarterback moves into uh, non-football or non-on-the-field related. LSU announced today they're uh, making fans show proof of vaccination or a negative test within 72 hours before entering the, entering the stadium. Will be interesting interesting to see if that's a one-off deal or if there's more to come. I think three schools have announced that so far how much do you think that'll affect attendance because within the same conferences there will be different teams different attendance i wonder if that'll come into play towards the end of the I year think those the big schools will sell out they have enough fans maybe it could drive ticket prices down a little bit because the demand might not be as high but i i think lsu schools like that would be yeah fine. they definitely would yeah. um marcus major an oklahoma running back he's going to be academically ineligible this season per several sources he was looking at to be the number three or likely four guy on the OU running back depth chart behind Kenny Brooks Eric Gray and Bradford who transferred in from LSU so 
it doesn't have uh, start the season at least major implications, but it could bring the depth into question since they have three scholarship running backs now with uh, McGowan getting booted from the team. So um, that's it for the uh, college football news. Clint, what do we got next? All right, on to AP All-American team was announced, so you want to go through those? Yeah, on the first team, on the start on the offensive side of the ball here, Spencer Rattler named uh, the first team quarterback. He and Sam Howell were the two that could have gotten that spot. Running backs, two other Big 12 guys, Brees Hall at Iowa State and B. John Robinson at Texas. Hall coming off a couple huge seasons. He's uh, a guy that's the most likely uh, Heisman type candidate at the running back position heading in uh, uh, heading into the season tackles you got Evan Neal at Alabama Kenyon Green at Texas A&M guards Kane Madden at Notre Dame they always have a good offensive line Zion Johnson at Boston College at center Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa at tight end Charlie Kolar at Iowa State he is from Norman Oklahoma Uh, the receivers you got Chris Olave at Ohio State and Justin Ross at Clemson and then all-purpose player Kyron Williams from Notre Dame kicker you have Kate York at LSU uh, on the defensive side of the ball well actually let's just finish the whole special teams they have punter down here punter you have Jake Camarda from Georgia I don't know if I pronounced that right and then on to the defensive side of the ball Kayvon Thibodeau an obvious preseason first team all freak yeah he's going to be a for sure, top three pick, likely. He looks like Sean Oakley. Yeah, he could. Yeah, and he's way better. Yeah, way better. <laughs> he could. He could be the number one pick in the draft. He's yeah. that good. Demarvin Leal at Texas A and M is the other defensive end. Tackles. You've got Haskell Garrett at Ohio State, and uh, Brian. Uh, Bressy. Yeah, Bressy. Uh, from Clemson. Linebackers: Will Anderson at Alabama. And then two Big 12 guys on the defensive side of the ball um, uh, with Nick Benito at Oklahoma and Mike Rose at Iowa State. You're starting to see uh, that narrative changing as far as the Big 12 goes as actually some of the teams that were really offensive-led programs are now uh, playing really good defense. So uh, you're seeing that on these teams. At cornerbacks, you got Derek Stingley at LSU who two-time All-American. This guy's uh, so another good. guy that could be a number one pick in the draft. <laughs> yeah. A freak. His dad played in the league for a long time. He's he's going to have a huge season. And Ahmad Gardner at Cincinnati, like I mentioned last week, they have got guys across the board on that secondary that are NFL-type players. Safeties, Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame and Brandon Joseph at Northwestern. I'm not going to go through the whole second team, but the second team quarterback was Sam Howell. Um, yes. Yeah. That's yeah. You have other good guys, Garrett Wilson at Ohio State, John Mechie at Alabama. You can see the teams that are comp- competing for playoff spots are the are the teams that are uh, leading the way on these first team All Americans. So that's not shocking, right? All right, on to a fan question. We just chose one this week. Thank you, Danny from Orlando. Has Clemson been the biggest letdown of a dynasty ever? Only two Natties haven't really had an impressive win since the Bama Natty blowout. If they go through the ukulele years without a natty, they're kind of a bust team. Yeah. They really have 
quieted down a bit. That 2019-19 team was so, so good. Uh, Trevor Lawrence's freshman season, 14-0, and and then just pounded Alabama 44-16. And then last season, got into the playoff, were favorites over Ohio State. They played a full season. Ohio State had played a half season, and they got pretty dominated. But I'm not ready to say it's a, a letdown quite yet. I mean, he, what Dabo's done there has been pretty impressive. He's taken them to three national ch- championship games and, uh, what, one, yeah, one, two of them. Uh, no, sorry. Yeah, we have one, two, he went to four, one, two, lost two. Uh, yeah, they've won two. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So, it's a one, two, lost two. And they're still just a, you know, every game, every year they're competing for one of those spots. They don't play a strong non conference schedule, but they still recruit an elite level. They haven't lost more than two games. And, uh, or I guess they went 12 and two in 2017. That's their only two lost season. Or, and ten and two in the shortened season last year, and yeah, last year they took seemed to take a step back. Lawrence was still Lawrence, but clearly was overmatched. As well as they recruit on the offensive and defensive lines, they don't really produce that many, especially in the offense. Sorry, even to the line, they've got really good guys. Offensive side of the ball, they get good guys in there, but they're not they're not churning out first round picks. And you saw that last year with Trevor Lawrence getting pounded to the ground. Yeah, by that Ohio State defensive front, so they do. I they do need to show something. They need they do definitely need to show something this season after the way that last season ended. But I'm not ready to say overrated. I don't think. See, I'm not. Well, I also two natties within a span of what what was it four years? I mean, I I don't think you can call that a letdown. Not at all. Not at all. But say. DJ doesn't win yeah, the national I championship. Agree. Then you're looking at two and whatever. Right. And then you start questioning, is the dynasty over? Is Because for a while, people were saying, is it 1A and 1B with Saban? And with, with Saban getting older, is Dabo getting closer to taking him over? And Saban's... Right, definitely. He, he kept going, and Dabo kind of stalled out a little last year. So this is a big stretch. He needs to get one with DJ while Saban has, in the end of the Saban era here, I think he needs to try to notch another one. And then you've got Ryan Day and Lincoln Riley who are not going anywhere. So uh, there's uh, it's uh, there's several teams to compete with Georgia as well. So it's no guarantee that they're going to win one with DJ. But uh, for Dabo's legacy, he needs one. And to really call themselves a dynasty, I think he needs one. Yeah. In my opinion. Was it Deshaun straight to Tanner Lawrence? Or Trevor Lawrence? Uh, you had Kelly Bryant there for or Kelly Bryant. Yeah, Kelly Bryant. He was in between. Yeah, Kelly Bryant was when they lost in that Sugar Bowl in okay. the, to Alabama, I think, in the uh, semifinal. The year, yeah, year OU in Georgia. The year Bama beat Georgia, they I believe beat Clemson in the semifinal, and that was probably Dabo's worst team uh, in this run of playoff teams he's had. All right, on to the game picks of the week. We can finally say it. The week has come. We got picks for you. Parker, first up, UTEP 
UTEP at New Mexico State. UTEP favored by 10 over under 56 and a half. Yeah, so you know it's week zero when we were picking UTEP and New Mexico <laughs> yeah. State. I'm just going to pick a winner here, and that would be UTEP. They're making slight progress. Well, they made slight progress under Dana Dimmel last season. I think they won three games, but two of which were against FCS opponents, but still progress for what they had been doing. New Mexico State only played two games last year, so I don't really know what to expect. I think UTEP wins this game. I I can't tell you on that that spread if I like them to cover or not, but I think UTEP will win. Um, so, yeah. All right, next up, UConn at Fresno State. Fresno State favored by 27.5 over under 62.5. Fresno State's going to win this game. UConn's fo- football program's not going anywhere with Ramsey Edsel. It's not like the, the first time around when they were in the Big East, which was a BCS conference, and they actually played in a Fiesta Bowl game. They went on to the American Athletic Conference and then basically gave up on football. They said, we want to be a basketball program and go back to the Big East, which is a basketball-only con- conference. So they're playing as an independent. Their program trajectory is falling and basically hit the floor. And Fresno State had a, um, set a solid last couple seasons here. So Fresno State's going to win big. I'll, I'll, I'll say they cover. All right. Uh, next up, Hawaii at UCLA. UCLA minus 18 over under 68. Yeah, so I think UCLA wins this game. Dorian Thompson-Robinson has made pretty big strides, or made pretty big strides last year, but you didn't necessarily see it in the win column. They went 3-4. and four. Chip Kelly is 10-21 and 21 in three seasons, hasn't made a bowl game. So this is a big, big season for him. Sorry, I'm going to get a drink of water here. Um, yeah, big season for Chip Kelly. They've got to at least make a bowl game. They've given him a, a pretty long leash already, a little more. There's a reason he took that UCLA job and not the Florida job. He didn't want to be in that pressure cooker in the SEC. The West Coast vibes is more for more for Chip. But Hawaii is a, a team that's no pushover at all. Uh, Cordero's back at quarterback, and he should only get better. He's an under the radar, uh, probably the most, maybe the most underappreciated quarterback in the Mountain West. And then he's got Calvin Turner, who's just a, a really, really good all-purpose back. You'll see him in the backfield. You'll see him at receiver. He was a second-team all-conference as a receiver last season. So I think Hawaii keeps it, stays in it for three quarters. But UCLA wins and Hawaii covers. All right, last up, Nebraska at Illinois, the game of the week that's not too exciting, but it's the game of the week. Nebraska minus seven over under 55. Yeah, we're game of the week. Nebraska I will Illinois. take it. It's college football. Yeah, I will, <laughs> I will watch every second of that game. Scott made a lot of really, really good points. Like him, I, I think Illinois is going to have a shot here. I think they keep it close i think they keep it really close nebraska it's not an ideal situation season's about to kick off and suddenly announces they're under ncaa investigation the golden child in lincoln scott frost is suddenly not looking so so attractive to the, to the nebraska folks 
he's got to win this game, and I think they do. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. It's it's year three, and he needs to he needs to be winning these games at this point. But Illinois beat him by 18 last season, and they both return essentially the same groups of pretty mediocre teams. But Scott Frost has been confident in the offseason talking about how this group's different than that past group, but we'll find out if that's just coach talk or not. But I think Nebraska pulls it out in a close one. I think uh, Illinois covers. All right. Got the picks in on to the giveaway. Congratulations to drumroll. Parker, why don't you announce the name? I'm really excited to say the winner of the $100 Amazon gift card is Asher Martell. Marty, congratulations. I will uh, text you. <laughs> on to the last one, trivia time. Parker, five for five last week. Pretty impressive. We'll see how you do this week. Question one. In 2018, Trevor Lawrence was the MVP of what bowl game? So, 2018 MVP of what game? We were just, I was just talking about that team. They won the national championship. They beat... Five seconds. It wasn't... Uh, Fiesta Bowl? 0 for 1. It was the Cotton Bowl. Question 2. Who is the most recent freshman Heisman winner? 20 seconds. Johnny Manziel? 0 for 2. It was Jameis Winston. Question 3. What coach had this career path from 1977 to 2000? Tulsa, Arizona State, Ohio State. To 2000? Yeah, 1977 to 2000, Tulsa, Arizona State, Ohio State. I have zero idea. John Cooper. Ooh, that's a tough one. Question four. This Pac-12 player was selected number one overall in the 2003 NFL Draft. Carson Palmer. One for four. Question five. Who was on the cover of NCAA Football 07? 07. Go back to the video games. It wasn't Jared Zembronski. I think he would have been... 2000. 10 seconds. Eight. Uh, oh my goodness. Jared Zembrowski. Reggie Bush. 07. So from five for five to one. For one five. for five. All right. Clint hey. He was going to bring the heat this yep. week. He, yep. he, he brought the heat. All Let's right, Parker, close us out. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Take it away. Thanks, everyone, for joining on this episode. It was a, a lot of fun. Really appreciate Scott coming on. Great interview, great insight into that Nebraska-Illinois game coming up this Saturday. So college football is finally here. And then we've got week one coming up next week, and we're going to have a big, big preview with a guest we're really, really excited about. It's going to be it's gonna be awesome. So give us a follow on Twitter and on Instagram. Our Twitter is at 5th Year Podcast, F-T-H, Year Podcast. And our Instagram is the 5th Year Podcast. So hit us up on both of those. Um, we'll be posting our guest leading up to that episode, and it's going to be a big one. So we're really looking forward to it. 
appreciate everyone listening and uh let's have a good college football season